what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the 60 Feet, 6 Inches LSU podcast. As always, thank you all for joining me. So in this episode, look, it's going to be a tough one. Hopefully it's cathartic, right? Everybody gets their feelings out. But uh, I didn't really feel like doing this podcast after this series. But we're going to go through it all and just talk it out a little bit, right? Share some feelings and maybe we can come up with a solution. I don't know if we can do that. But we will review LSU's series loss to Mississippi State. As you all know, I'm going to go over each of the three games. Also going to talk about what are the three big things that I learned from this weekend. How did my get right, stay right list produce? And then finally, the SEC rundown. As always, you can find the 60 Feet, 6 Inches LSU podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, all the other major audio platforms. If you're viewing this on the YouTube channel, please make sure to subscribe to the channel, like, and comment. I will get to as many of those comments as possible. I thank you all for all the interaction. Also, don't forget to follow me on Twitter. The handle is at 60FT. 6-I-N-L-S-U-Pod. If you missed the last episode, it was the Mississippi State Preview Series. I broke down state and what to expect, and some of that stuff did come to fruition um, this weekend versus LSU. I also, if you're not, if you're not, if you're new to the podcast or you forgot, I'm breaking down the previews. I'll do the full preview, but then Thursday and Friday, I release kind of snippets, so I break it in half. So uh, if you're not able to get there for the full preview, if you just want a short take, and those snippets are available on YouTube only. Make sure to check those out as well. So LSU loses its second series of the season, dropping games two and three versus Mississippi State. They lose back-to-back games for the tech second weekend in a row, doing that previously against Auburn. The Tigers move to 39-12 and 12 on the year, and they are 17-9 and nine in the SEC. All right, let's get into it. Friday, Saturday, Sunday versus the Bulldogs. Friday night, LSU wins the opener. By way of 10-run rule, they win 12-1. to And really, from a pitching standpoint, I don't know if there's really anything else that I can say about Paul Skeens that hasn't been said already. Another dominant performance by the big righty. And I just think he's getting better and better as the season rolls on. He had a little midseason lull, if you want to call it that, at South Carolina. So he got hit pretty hard. And then once again, at Ole Miss, he didn't get really hit hard. His velo was down a little bit, and um, but you've seen in the last couple weekends, uh, Bama, um, then Auburn, and then this weekend against State, he's been really, really impressive his last three SEC series. Uh, he threw a complete game this weekend by way of the 10-run rule, and what was really impressive is that Skeens threw seven innings on 95 pitches. So if you think about it, if LSU needed him to go out in the eighth, if it was a close game or obviously if they didn't win by 10-run rule, he definitely could have gone out into the eighth as he's been up to 110, I think maybe maxed out at 113 pitches this year. So the fact that he can get in seven innings pitch on 95 pitches is phenomenal. And oh, by the way, your boy had 13 strikeouts. So Skeen's line looked like this. Seven innings pitched, three hits, one run, one earned by way of the high fill home run. One walk, truly impressive, in 13 Ks on 95 pitches. Skeen's is a stud. And um, thank goodness for him the past couple weekends because LSU has absolutely needed him. In terms of the hitting side of things, LSU is dominant from the word go. Look, Dugas leads off the game with a home run. Joe Bear and Thompson go back-to-back. And then Dugas hits a triple and is driven in by Morgan uh, to go for LSU to go up to a 5 to nothing lead. In the sixth, LSU plates three more runs on three singles in a row, followed by a Cruz bases-loaded walk. Tommy White hits a single, and then Kay Beloso hits a sack fly. In the seventh, Trey Morgan drives in two more runs, and then Tommy Tanks walks it up with a two-run home run in the bottom of the seventh. 
So another 10-run rule victory in SEC play by the Tigers. And if you think about that game, you got to be going home from that game seeing, yep, State's what we thought they were. They're not very good. We know they saved their ace, but uh, 10-run rule on a Friday night. The boys look great. They're swinging the bat. They struggled against Auburn a little bit. And um, Tommy White was red hot, right? Cruz was still scuffling at that point in time. But it's a great way to start the weekend. And with the 10-run rule, you got to feel very confident as LSU seems like they're off and running and the Auburn series seems to be in the past. On Saturday, LSU suffers the loss by a score of 9-4. to And in my opinion, this was the one that got away. But credit to State, they kept on battling and they kept on fighting and hitting until the end. And eventually LSU's bullpen just couldn't hold the lead and get it done in this one. And we're going to get to Sunday. I know that's on everybody's mind right now, and that's going to be probably a big, long discussion. But when you look at the weekend, they both suck, right? But when you really uh, waste if – I, if I, I'm just going to say you waste a Ty Floyd outing where he was dominant and he looked like he did in the first three innings against Auburn, and to have that game slip away, one, it just sucks for the team, and it sucks for Floyd, right? Because he's been kind of up and down all year. He's gotten some criticism. In the last two outings um, – He's looked really, really good, and this time he kind of put it all together, and it was a dominant outing by Floyd. I was there in attendance, and I thought he threw great. He had the breaking ball working early. He was mixing it in effectively, and he did not allow a run into the fifth. And to me, if you think about the first three innings at Auburn and you think about his outing this time, yes, he worked around a guy on every a guy on every inning, I think, for the first four innings, but he worked out of that, okay? And he's really been flipping his breaking ball in early, even if it's not always for a strike. He's been flashing a changeup just so the hitters know he's throwing that pitch tonight. He's throwing the changeup tonight, and they can't just sit on 93 to 97. And to me, that's been the difference in the last couple of outings where uh, if you go back, let's say, a month, right, he really didn't even try to fool you with a changeup or a breaking ball. He's just saying, here's my fastball. Try and hit it. And my my opinion has always been, as as long as he shows those other pitches, even if it's not for a strike, as long as they're somewhat close, the hitters have to respect that, and they can't just rely on one pitch. Floyd's line on the night, six innings pitched, five hits, one run, one earned, one walk. That is a massive stat for Ty Floyd moving forward. One walk. Great job by that young man. And oh, by the way, a career-high 10 strikeouts. He did all that work in 103 pitches, and that's probably the reason he did not go out there for the seventh. If he was at that 92 pitch mark, I definitely think you see Jay and Wes Johnson running him back out there for a seventh. But at 103, you know, you don't, you just, at that point, he's really done all he could. He left with a two to one lead. You pat him on the back with 10 strikeouts, and you say, look, we need to take it from here. And uh, LSU just couldn't get it done from the pitching side of things. And I think if you ask any LSU fan, if that's going to be Ty Floyd's line three out of four weekends, or he gives you that type of line against Georgia, um, say he scuffles in the SEC tournament, but he gives you that line in the regional or a super regional, LSU fans will take that all day, every day at this point in time. I did not disagree with LSU's coaches bringing in Nate Ackenhausen and then following him up with Thatcher Hurd. Look, Ackenhausen and Hurd, that combo through great in relief of schemes on Friday night against Auburn. And I was even calling for those guys to throw again on Saturday because I thought they could have thrown really well because I think Ackenhausen threw seven pitches and Hurd only threw 11 pitches in their outing against Auburn. But this Friday, I mean, excuse me, this Saturday night in relief of Floyd, they couldn't get it done. 
Ackenhausen comes in to face the lefty in the top of the seventh, Hancock, and he greets him with a solo home run that ties the game up um, at two. Then Ackenhausen runs into a little bit of trouble, but he works out of it as he strikes out State's two best hitters, Ledbetter and Hines, both left-handed, and he gets those guys to go down swinging. LSU regains the lead 4-2, to two, and Thatcher Hurd comes in. Look, you're up by two runs. you got six outs to get. I think Hurd's the right man in that situation, the way he's been throwing especially. I know a lot of people don't have confidence with him. Um, they, they, really, they really just talk a lot of smack about him on Twitter, and I can understand that. Well, I'm not going to say that on Twitter about a college kid. But his last nine innings pitched, he has thrown really, really, really well. So I had a lot of confidence just the way he's been throwing, his attitude, his body language, all of his stuff. And he just wasn't able to get it done. Um, Dakota Jordan, who did absolutely nothing all night on Saturday, he leads off with a double. And you felt like there was a little bit of trouble brewing. As then Kellum Clark, one of state's best, most experienced hitters, comes up and crushes a ball to left center for a two-run home run. That ties the game up. But state's not done there. As Hurd gives up another run before he's lifted for Riley Cooper. And it just kind of goes from bad to worse as Cooper Gives up a three-run bomb to Colton Ledbetter. And at that point, it's 8-4, to four, and really the game's basically over. Coop gives up another run in the ninth, and that's that. LSU can't uh, fight back from a hitting side of things, which we'll get into, and the Tigers fall in this Saturday game. you got to be able to hold a 4-2 to lead late in the season, especially, especially with six outs left to get, right? Floyd threw great. You give it up, you give it up, right? You give up the lead, but it's only two to two. Your offense does enough to get the to get the lead back to four to two, and you just got to figure out a way to um, get the first guy out. Figure out a way to get ahead with hitters. You got to increase your focus to where you can't leave pitches up in the zone. You got to stay down in the zone, um, and you just got to be aggressive in the zone. And just, LSU just couldn't get it done right there. <clears throat> when you look at the hitting side of things, to me, it was a game of missed opportunities on Saturday night. I think LSU had a couple of chances, not very many though, a couple of chances to get more runs than they did against Mississippi State's ace, Cade Smith, but they weren't able to get the job done. But look, I always give credit where credit's due. I'm not always going to be like, oh, they didn't beat us. We beat ourselves. That's crap, right? Look, Cade Smith was very, very good. I told you on the preview episode, he was Mississippi State's ace. He had thrown really good. He had dealt in the last three out of his four SEC outings. And they followed Auburn's game plan, right? They held him not to face schemes. They didn't want to, quote, unquote, waste his opportunity. They held him to face Ty Floyd, and it paid off in the end as Smith threw the ball really, really well. LSU jumps out to an early lead. They have bases loaded one out in the second. So bases loaded one out in the second. LSU gets a K, but then they get a bases loaded walk for a run. They get another K, so it's a missed opportunity right there to get really more than one run right there. You're hoping to get at least two out of it, right? But they come away with one. Travinsky, who is on fire, mashes, crushes a solo home run to left field in the fourth. That puts LSU up two to nothing. Cade Smith uh, comes out of the game, and LSU has a chance to strike for a ton of runs right there. This is the bottom of the seventh now. The game is tied up 2-2. Kate Smith is out. LSU gets bases loaded. Nobody out. Tommy White comes up, hits the first pitch he sees for a single to right field. LSU scores one run. Still bases loaded. Nobody out. Beloso's up. Double play, ground ball. Scores a run, though. But 
got two outs right there. So you still have a chance to make some things happen. Okay. You get a walk. So now there's first and third with two outs, and then you get a K. So you look at that inning right there. Bases loaded. You got four, five, six coming up. White singles. You're like, all right, maybe Beloso can lift the ball to the outfield. You score a run. Hopefully you have second and third intact with only one out. But unfortunately, rolls over. They turn the double play. And they really kind of just squashed the rally right then and there. LSU gets nothing going in the eighth and the ninth. A state eventually takes the lead, as we previously discussed, and the Tigers lose that game nine to four. But when you look at that game, LSU only got seven hits on Saturday night. Four of those hits were from Tommy White. Travinsky had a hit with the solo home run. Thompson and Beloso had a hit apiece as well. So not a great night for the hitters. Hats off to Cade Smith right there as he did his job. But you look at Dugas, Morgan, Cruz, Ofer. Jones, Ofer. All right? So, I mean, if Tommy White doesn't show up to the ballpark, it is a struggle. It was a struggle anyway. But luckily he showed up. He balled out. But uh, just not a great night for the hitters. But in the end, they hand the lead over to the bullpen. It's 4-2, to two, right? They get that lead back. It's 4-2. to two. And they just can't hold the lead. All right, let's move on to Sunday. Oof, LSU loses this game 14-13 to 13 in 10 innings. And what can only be described as a massive letdown. And one which leaves you shaking your head, right? If you're an LSU fan, if you're an LSU player, and then obviously if you're part of that LSU coaching staff. You really felt like you let the game on Saturday get away with the 4-2 lead? What if I told you you were up? 13 to 4 in the sixth inning, crushing Mississippi State, and you find a way to lose that game in 10 innings. What you think about that? And that one's going to hurt right there. And oh, by the way, that causes you to lose the series as well. Let's get into the pitching because um, it was something. It was something, boy. And uh, the pen really let LSU down. But if there is a bright spot when you think about the pitching on Sunday, it's got to be left handed pitcher Javen Coleman making his first SEC start of the season as he continues to work his way back from Tommy John surgery. And to me, he looked like he could be the number three starter for the Tiger staff from this point moving forward. The issue is, at this point, really just building up his arm strength, building up his stamina, and building up the strength in his legs as it continues to get hotter and more humid at this time of the year. They're also trying to do that while also building up his pitch count, right? So today, Coleman throws 50 pitches right on the nose. Hopefully next time out against Georgia, you can see that increase to 60 or 65 pitches, and hopefully he can get uh, further than he got today. So um, on the day, Coleman's line read two and two-thirds innings pitched, zero hits, which is really impressive, one run, one earned, three walks, which really drove up his pitch count but five Ks as he had it going early and often. I thought he came out looking really good. His velocity was up anywhere from 91 to 94, 95. But after that first inning, you really saw his velocity steadily decrease. And I'm just going to attribute that to his arm strength maybe not being all the way back. And then sometimes, look, when your legs go, your mechanics and your velocity go as well. So he's trying to still build himself up. Like he's throwing bullpens. But nothing can really prepare you for a game like a game in terms of the adrenaline rush which can sap you, uh, the concentration, which can mentally wear you down, and then once again getting out in that heat and humidity as well. 
But look, he gutted it out. I thought he threw the ball really well. He did his job. He got some of State's uh, best hitters to look really, really silly, especially um, Hines, Ledbetter, and Clark. And I was really impressed. It gives me a lot of confidence with him moving forward. After him, well, it was basically every pitcher on the entire staff almost, except for Thatcher Hurd that threw in that game. As LSU threw out eight relievers, and they all took their turn in trying to shut down the Mississippi State lineup, but they really just couldn't do it. On the day, the pin gave up 16 hits, 13 runs, 13 earned, seven walks, which was a killer, and nine Ks. The walks also coincided with a couple of hit-by-pitch, and then the fact that they would just seem like they were always behind in counts. Yes, stop me if you've heard this before with regards to the LSU bullpen. Look at this. The pin was given leads of 3 to nothing, 5-1, to 10-4, and 13-4. to four. But unfortunately, the LSU pitching staff gives up four runs in the sixth, five runs in the seventh, and the game winner in the top of the tenth. I'm not going to go into each pitcher's performance in depth because, one, I just don't want to relive that moment, and two, y'all, half of y'all are going to turn it off when I start doing that stuff. And I'll just get into the pitching more a little bit later. When you look at the hitting side of things, just like most of you, it was a kind of a reincarnation of a Friday night, right? LSU was off and running early. I thought they were going to blow state out. Even though it got to 5-4, LSU answered back, and it's 13-4. I'm thinking, look, they got a chance for another 10-run rule, knowing uh, how shaky Mississippi State's bullpen is. But after the fifth inning, state just shut LSU out completely. As LSU goes five scoreless innings, and Mississippi State's bullpen uh, really did the job in quieting the LSU bats. It was a hit parade early as Joe Bear gets LSU on the board with a three-run home run in the second. Morgan absolutely demolishes a ball to left field over, excuse me, right field over the diamond deck. And you don't see him pull balls a ton. I wish Morgan would actually pull balls more. When he gets that barrel head out, he crushed two balls today. And I wish he would just do that just a little bit more because sometimes I think he's so content on hitting the ball to left field and the left center gap, which he does very, very well. Uh, Cruz gets out of his mini slump today as he has three hits on the day. Look, but LSU scores five in the fourth as Morgan hits another home run um, in the fifth. And then uh, LSU scores three more to make it 13 to four. And uh, like I said, hats off to State's relievers at that point. LSU did have a chance though, right? After the pin and giving it up, it's 13 to 13, heading into the bottom of the ninth. LSU gets to where it's two outs with the bases loaded. Um, I think Paxton Kling got on. And then you saw Napolt, who pinch hit for Dugas. He bunts Kling over. Okay. And then Mississippi State very smartly decides to intentionally walk Dylan Cruz and Tommy Tanks. Smart decision right there because those runs mean absolutely nothing. The only run that means anything is the guy on third base. Malazzo is up in the batting order, and he pops up to first base, and that ends the threat right there. Look, tough spot for him with regards to uh, two outs and bases loaded, but he did have a 2-0 count and um, takes a fastball for a strike on the inner half, and then he gets jammed on a fastball kind of in the same spot right there, and that ends the threat, and Mississippi State goes on to win that game. For the, for the series, here's one stat for you For this, that's very concerning, obviously. For the series, LSU's bullpen threw 10 and a third innings pitched. They gave up 25 hits, 
21 runs, 21 earned, 9 walks, and 14 Ks. If my math is correct, that is an ERA of 18.29. Not good, not good enough, and not going to be able to get it done moving forward. Okay, quickly, let me just very quickly review the three keys to the weekend that I gave you in the preview episode. The first key, the staff outside of Skeens needs to throw more strikes. They did and they didn't, right? Uh, Overall for the weekend, the staff threw 62% strikes. That's a little low. I'd rather see them up around that 65, 66% mark. Um, Not terrible, but then we look at game two and three, they left balls up and they felt like they were constantly behind hitters. So uh, they really didn't execute on that key to the weekend. The second key, would the pressure be relieved? Could they relax now? Would they have a weight lifted off their shoulder after kind of finally losing an SEC series, although you never want to lose one, and then dropping from that number one ranking? I, I don't know. Maybe the pre- pre- pressure is uh, ratcheted up more internally. You know, I don't know what those guys are going through. I know what I went through, but um, these guys are trying to recreate that magic and get back to Omaha, so they're breaking through their own pressure barriers. So uh, you saw them play free and easy Friday night. You saw them play free and easy for five innings on Sunday. And um, besides that, you know, uh, I think some guys kind of succumbed to a little bit of the pressure. And my final key for the weekend, I said don't let Ledbetter, Hines, and Amani Larry beat you. And I don't think they really did. Ledbetter did have the three-run home run off of Cooper on Saturday, which is really the nail in the coffin. But I think Hines, he didn't have any hits up until Sunday. He had two hits. Um, And then Larry was – uh, he did a couple things on Sunday as well, but I don't think they really beat you. I think it was more a fact of um, the LSU pitching staff kind of letting you down in those instances. Okay, what are the three big things that I learned from this weekend? The first thing that I learned, Ty Floyd may have turned the corner, and then Javen Coleman looks like the number three starter to me moving forward. I kind of touched on these briefly going over the Saturday and Sunday games, but look, Floyd's outing was great. He gave you everything you could have asked for. Everybody would have taken that before the game. If I said Floyd gives you six innings, one run, 10 Ks, will you take that? And you'd be like, hell yeah, I'm taking that. Uh, Coleman, very good outing. They continue to build up his pitch count, but I thought he looked really good against some of the tough lefties to face. He's going to have another tough lineup to face next weekend in Georgia as they have Anderson, Connor Tate, Charlie Condon is an unbelievable freshman. And um, he's going to have to go through another tough lineup as well. But the key for him, Stay pain-free and have the ability to go out there, start again on Sunday in Athens, and hopefully get to 60 to 65 pitches. And you'd really like to see him get all the way out to the fourth inning as well. The second big thing that I learned this weekend, LSU has a bullpen problem. I know you're saying, no crap, Chris. This is a family program. We're going to leave the cuss words out of it. But um, it just continues to be more and more evident every week. And look, when I look at my three big things, some of them are pretty obvious, and I just can't escape this one, right? So let's talk about the bullpen. Those guys in the bullpen, look, every one of them, I just think they need to take a good, hard look in the mirror and do some self-assessment and figure out what do I need to do to help my team the rest of the year. Forget about numbers. Forget about personal accolades. Forget about draft status. You got Georgia, the SEC tournament, and then after that, your season can be over in two losses, bottom line, just like it was in Hattiesburg last year, okay? The talent is there. Regardless of what the Nega Tigers or the naysayers on Twitter say, the talent is definitely there. But they got to look in the mirror, and they got to say, I need to do my job 
to help this team? And what does that job entail? You just have to have four dudes from here on out. You need four guys in that pen to step up and say, give me the ball. I'm going to get the job done. I'll throw on Friday and Sunday. I'll throw on Saturday and Sunday. I'll do whatever it takes for this team to get as far as they possibly can and really reach the potential that everybody expects them to. Another thing, the plan, the approach, the pitch calling, the philosophy, whatever it is, it's not working and it's not resonating. I'm not in those meetings. I don't know the first thing about Wes Johnson. I don't know his philosophy. I don't know how he throws his bullpens. I don't know how he uh, talks to his pitchers about how to attack the strike zone. But whatever it is, look, from the bullpen side of things, it's not working. It's not resonating. I don't know if it's because the pitchers don't trust him or the plan or if they don't like him, they don't believe in what he's calling, or they don't believe in the way that they should be attacking hitters. But whatever he is selling right now for that bullpen, it's not working, and they're not buying it. It just seems to be some type of disconnect. Now, the caveat is Wes Johnson doesn't go out there and throw a pin. Wes Johnson, if he's calling a breaking ball for a strike down the middle, he's not the guy that bounces two of them in a row. And now he has no choice but to throw a fastball. And then sometimes they can't execute that, right? He, he's not out there throwing the pitches, but he should be giving them, and I would assume he is, as good of a pitching coach as he is, giving them the tools for success in terms of when you miss with a breaking ball in the dirt, this is how you fix it. This is what your mindset needs to be. This is where your release point needs to be. And after that, his job's over. Then it's up to the guys wearing purple and gold with their names and numbers on the back to go out there and execute that. He can't help you if you're on the mound and it's, you know, it's OO to leadoff guy and you bounce two curveballs and they're not even close, right? He can't help you if it's 3-1 and you throw a fastball, you know, two feet above the guy's head, right? That's on you. That's why I said whatever it is from a bullpen perspective, philosophy, uh, the bullpen work, the, the mindset, it's just not working, and they need a hard reset moving forward. The third thing that I learned this weekend, while Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens are the best players on this team, I think Tommy White is the most important player on this team. Now, remember what I – just listen to what I said. They're the best, Skeens and Cruz, but I think White is the most important, and this is why. Think of the protection that he has provided Dylan Cruz up until this point in the year, okay? Teams are actually still trying to avoid Dylan Cruz, and White continues to make them pay. You thought they would learn their lesson by now. Also, it helps that Dylan Cruz has an amazing eye, an amazing two-strike approach. and He continues, even while he was in a mini slump, to find a way to get on base with the walks. Tommy White leads LSU in homers, leads him in doubles, top three or four in the country in RBIs, okay? He has been absolutely white hot, no pun intended, lately. He can do it oppo, and you've been seeing him do it pull side as of late as well, and his two-strike approach is phenomenal. If Dugas, Cruz, or Morgan, or a combination of two of those guys have been scuffling, White is there to pick up the pieces and help drive in the runs. That's why, in my opinion, he is the most important guy on this team. And you've really seen it lately with uh, Dylan just going through a little bit of a mini slump, right? But he got back in the act today with three hits on Sunday. But White has been in steady, providing the firepower 
and driving in runs when uh, when he's had the opportunity to. Not a hot take, something I thought a lot about, but uh, I'll be interested to hear what y'all say on that point as well. All right, starting to wrap up here on the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast as we review the Mississippi State series. Uh, the get right, stay right list. How did my predictions do? On the get right list, I had Dugas. I'm going to call that a hit for your boy. Dugas was 5 for 13 on the weekend, which is good for 385, a double, and a home run. So great to see Gavin Dugas get right as he went nuts on Friday night as he went 4 for 4. Also on the get right list, Jared Jones. He continues to scuffle, unfortunately, as you saw him not start on Sunday. And I thought that was a well-timed break for him, but he came in late in the game. On the weekend, Jared Jones went 0 for 8 with 6 Ks and 2 walks. And uh, that was a miss for me. And I think moving forward, he needs to take a – he just needs a break, right? A chance to get his head right. And um, I'm not opposed to him sitting out a couple games in a row, just like he did earlier in the year, and then he got red hot, right? So it may be time for him just to clear his head, take a break, and just try not to press so much. Also on the get-right list, I had Dylan Cruz. I'm going to call that a push. Look, he struggled on Friday and Saturday, but he turned it around on Sunday. He went three for 11 on the weekend, which is 272. He did have five walks, but he also had three Ks, so I'm going to call that a push for Cruz. On the stay right list, I had Tommy Tanks. That is a massive hit. Tommy Tanks was phenomenal. He went eight for 14, which is 571 on the weekend. He had three doubles and a home run. He is up to 396 on the year. By the way, the dude's going to end up hitting over 400. He's going to get to 20 home runs, and he has a chance to get to 100 RBIs. A phenomenal sophomore season for Tommy White in an LSU uniform. Also on the stay right list, I had Hayden Trevinsky. Massive hit. Punch that button. He went three for five on the weekend. He got the start Saturday and Sunday. And, oh, by the way, he hits another home run. I think moving forward, as of right now, if he's not catching – Hayden Travinsky should be dh and then you work the lineup around that. you got to put whoever you need to in first, and then you can work the corner outfield spots as you deem necessary. Look, he's just too hot to leave on the bench right now. Also, on the stay right list, I had Thatcher Hurd. That's a miss. After throwing really well in his last nine innings, uh, he had a rough outing on Saturday. Zero innings pitched, so he didn't record it out. Three hits, five runs, five earned, one walk, and one K. That young man just needs to put that in the mirror, forget about that outing, burn the tape, as they say, and just think about the last nine innings pitched and move forward because LSU is definitely going to need him. Getting into the SEC rundown real quick, if you didn't have a chance to check out some of the other scores this weekend, Auburn stays hot as they sweep Ole Miss, and I think Ole Miss at this point just quit. They're probably they're not going to make the SEC tournament, and uh, I think they're just going to mail it in in Oxford this season. Mizzou sweeps Georgia, which is great. Good and bad, right? Because LSU goes to Athens. Georgia really needs some serious wins to uh, not only solidify their place in the SEC tournament, but those guys are trying to sneak into the NCAA regionals, probably as a three seed at this point. And with a uh, struggling number one, uh, former number one team in the country, they need to make some hay in Athens. But Mizzou takes care of the Bulldogs. Florida sweeps Vandy. Florida bounces back after losing a series at A&M, and they dominate Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is really scuffling right now. Arkansas takes two out of three from South Carolina. Both those teams are, have a ton of injuries. Uh, South Carolina is starting to get some pieces back, but um, Arkansas, man, they got some arms, and their pitching has taken some hits this year with injuries. Arkansas is 
when I look at their lineup, it's not nearly as good as it was when they played LSU due to some injuries. Uh, the bottom of their lineup, really like five through nine, it's not great, but they find a way to get it done because they can pitch, right? They can win games four to one. They take care of South Carolina. A&M and Bama are still playing at the time of this recording as they dealt with some rain. And then finally, Tennessee takes two out of three from Kentucky as the Vols continue to stay hot. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this week's review of the LSU-Mississippi State Series. Up next, the Tigers host Miami State on Tuesday night. Then they travel to Athens to face the Georgia Bulldogs in the last SEC Series of the year. Be on the lookout for the Georgia Preview Podcast. I'm going to try to drop it on Wednesday, but I'm traveling a lot with work, so it may come out early Thursday morning, but I'm going to do my best to get that out to you on Wednesday. As a reminder, like, comment, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, hit me up on Twitter. Interact with me. I try to respond to as many people as possible. The Twitter account is at 60FT6INLSUPOD. Also, if you notice my hat, shout out to my guys at SpittinSeeds247. That's the Twitter account. These dudes do a great job following college baseball. I had a chance to meet Matt and uh, Beef. Oh, Brandon Beeve at the Tennessee series. They sent me this. I really appreciate it. It's got some bad juju on it, though, man. I took it to the Saturday game, and uh, the old Spit and Seeds logo didn't bring LSU any luck. Hopefully, we'll turn that around pretty soon. But shout out to those guys for supporting college baseball and uh, just great dudes running that account. If y'all don't follow Spit and Seeds 247, y'all go check them out. Reminder, the podcast available on Apple, Google, Spotify, all the other major audio platforms. So until next time, keep your heads up, Tiger fans. Y'all stay safe. And as always, go Tigers.